the Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Hello, I'm Ken Crowther and this is the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. Don't forget you can subscribe to this podcast on BBC Sounds. This week, Tom Cole is my special guest, taking your calls on everything from runner beans, hedge trimmers, battery hedge trimmers that is, and of course fuchsias, large fuchsia hedges. We've also got some top tips of things you can be getting on with in the garden, plus plant of the week. We should go straight to your calls, and this week we start with Anne in Bowers Gifford. So, Anne, it's a lovely day for gardening. Are you outside or inside? No, I'm inside. Unfortunately, I've got a hospital appointment later, so I can't oh. go out. Still? But anyway, um, I've got three standard fuchsias, which I normally put in the greenhouse, and I yep. let them die off and then start them off again in the spring. Okay. But this year, I brought them into the conservatory. Mm-hmm. It's all green, and they're starting to flower. Do I need to feed them in the winter? That's an interesting one. You've 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 been too nice. She's been too nice. Too to nice them. to them. Too yeah. nice to them. Um, <laughs> and in fact, funny enough, we had someone the other day saying that they it was another plant they put in the conservatory and off it had gone and it had grown this size. Um, you're just too kind, then. You're just too too kind. What would you do with them? Because they they're growing. Um, the light levels are a bit low for them, aren't they, Tom? They are, so they might get a little bit drawn as well. But um, at, at the college, we 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 just put them on the benches. They are in leaf. There are they are one or two of them are in bud. All we're doing is we're just keeping them ticking over. I don't need feed. No, then. not feeding them at all. Really, I think all that key feeding is going to come from March onwards, when you oh. might want to pot up into maybe a larger pot, uh, and then also encourage some really good uh, growth from them as well. But I, I wouldn't feed them. That's a good point, Anne. Mm. Have you potted them up at all in the past? Um, well, I have because I started them off as cuttings. So I've gradually repotted them as they got bigger. They're in about um, a nine-inch pot, I suppose. You've done really well. Yeah, that then. sounds good. Mm. Yeah, and how tall are they as a, as a standard? How tall uh, are they? Let me. Oh, they're probably a good three foot. Good yeah. size. Good size. That's excellent. Yeah. Yeah. You... No, and just keep them ticking over, as Tom said, and then. We'll give you give us a shout later on. Let us know how you're getting on, and we'll we'll clue you in on when you should be feeding. Okay. Yes, thank you very much, Sam. That's a pleasure. That's Anne in Bowers Gifford who has given us a call on 0800 111 We're talking gardening all the way through till twelve. And Alan is from Hoddesdon. Hello, Alan. Hello, Ken and Tom. Um, I brought my runner bean seeds in from the allotment greenhouse the other day. Put them on the windowsill. And uh, after a few minutes, a lot of little black bugs have been crawling out the holes that are in the bean seeds. Um, I've actually dumped all the bean seeds because they're riddled with those little holes in them. What are they? Uh, that would be... Is it a... Are they like a weevil? Yes, they are, actually, yeah. You've got bee... one of the bean weevils. There's a bean weevil, isn't there, Tom, that yeah. you could get? <clears throat> I reckon that's what it is, don't you? And if it's if you've done the best thing, <laughs> dump them is to is to dump them really. And sometimes you can get. I know you, it's good to sometimes collect seed, um, but it, and you can't always see. But that's the downside of collecting <clears throat> your own seed. That's one of the downsides, actually. But I think yeah, it's a case of starting again on those. I must agree. Oh, my, no, it's about to be a new packet this time. Yeah, I must agree, Alan. That my old daddy. I mean, you know, 
Bless him. He, he kept seed year on year on year. And he used to cut he, loads. He luckily had no trouble at all, and I reckon he kept going with the same seed for about 10 years at least. Yeah, until actually, I... that's what I've been doing. But this yeah. year, as I say, you know, it's riddled with beans. When I put them on the windowsill, after about 10 minutes, there must have been all 20 or 30 of these little bugs crawling around. Yeah, it's most likely as well, because we've had a mild... We haven't really had any cold spells, harsh cold spells at all, either at the end of the season, did we? We've had nothing. We've, we've nothing. Had nothing really. We've had a few frosts, but not a great deal. And so things are carrying on. I mean, look out into the beds and borders at the moment. The weeds are rife. You know, there's lots of growth out there <laughs> yeah. at the moment. Uh, I'll tell okay, you what, Alan. Anyway, I wonder what they were. That was no, all. Thanks. That's all right, Alan. Do you try try a different variety as well? Try growing two different two different ones. Your normal one and then different one as well. Something newer. Okay, that's Alan from Hodgson. So often we keep growing the same things, don't we, in vegetables? And, you know, we Open need... those seed catalogues. There's a whole oh, load of new ones, aren't incredible. there? Incredible. Really? Absolutely unbelievable. Oh, 800 4041 That's the number to call. And we're talking to Steve from Basildon. Steve, what's Basildon like today, then? Well, actually, I'm in Leon C, Ken. So now, what are you doing in Leon? Now, come on, then. You've got to tell us what you're doing in Leon C, then. Well, I actually live here. <laughs> So, you don't live in Basildon at I all? I don't live in Basildon, no, no. <laughs> Should we start again? Yeah. And now we're going to be talking to Steve from Leon C. Steve, what are you up to today? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> yes, um, well, I'm looking at uh, the outside at the moment. Um, I've got a house where I inherited some very large, well-established hydrangeas. And I must admit, I didn't do anything about beheading them last autumn or anything like that. Um, but they, they kind of need some some form of control. And I wondered, uh, because perhaps of forthcoming frost or whatever, whether I can trim them back now or whether I need to wait for longer. So what what are you actually trying to do? You want to reduce the whole size of the plant? Well, yes. What, um, I, I was having a quick look online, and essentially what I want to do is to, is to uh, you know, trim down say to the um to the last outgrowing bud yeah no what so i'm trying to get a stronger growth again yeah but in what the i'm coming year yeah what i'm I trying wondered when the appropriate time to do that would be right what i was trying to find out was whether you've got a huge bush that's say four foot by four foot and you wanted to reduce it that's what that's, i was wondering that's exactly the right point. okay yes. tom yeah and these are these are large leaf types with big mop heads yes so these are like the lace cap type, mop-headed hydrangeas. So the key thing with those is the, um, well, some people too take the flowers off and they do take them off now. There's a sort of move now to say that it doesn't really overly protect uh, the growth. I'm a great believer in actually leaving the plant until around about March, mid-March. Uh, and then if you want to do, bring them down, you could be quite radical actually and uh, bring them down quite hard. Um, and actually lose a significant proportion of your flowers for this year, but you brought it down in size, uh, and then the, for the subsequent years you get some really good flowers coming through. But another way to do it, and this is what I would probably do, is um, take out the very, very thickest stems right to the ground. Right. And uh, those that are remaining with flowers still on, I'd take the flowers off and go down maybe one or two pairs of buds, but don't go any further than that. Right. I then look at the plant again, and any very weak, very, very weak spindly growth, I take all of that out as well. I reckon you want to be taking probably about uh, a, th a third to a half out, uh, mid-March. Okay. Mid mid-March. Yeah, right. and that'll be your pruning for the entire year, and then you repeat that every year. 
Oh, okay. At, at around the same time. About the same yeah. sort of time. Yeah. Right. The only thing I would say on that is it just depends on the weather. <laughs> So Indeed. if it's really horrendous in March and we've you got frost and March. snow, then just wait. Wait until you've got mm. no fro- no snow, that is, less yes. frost. So it's really mid-March, end of March. Some people do it in April. Okay. And then just one more small question. I've got another hydrangea which is in a pot, which is quite well established, and I was thinking I might like to transfer it to the garden. Um, would March be the right time for that as well? I would do it now. Yeah, uh, because oh, yeah. the ground is not frozen at all. It's, it's, still, a, it's still warm. It's, it, it is actually. It's perfect conditions. Uh, you've got no real leaves on that plant at all. Um, oh. So I just pop it in the ideal place that you want to, to observe it and firm it in. I'm if it's the soil is a little bit on the dry side, I water it in. In fact, good practices to water just. Uh, sort of shallowly because there is a plenty of moisture out in that soil at the moment and leave it that i mean it's a great time to plant right oh excellent okay okay thanks for the help that's yeah. okay that's what we're here for that's steve from basil not enough people actually prune hydrangeas on a <clears> regular <throat> basis they let them grow too large and then say my word the plant is too large what do i do with well, it well they can get huge oh they can't I mean, they massive can get huge, you can get them five foot by yeah. five foot sort of thing and you know absolutely massive my plant of the week this week has got to be snowdrop or galanthus at his name there's just at least 20 different varieties and they are usually one of the first bulbs to flower people will pay hundreds of pounds for some of the rarer varieties of snowdrop the name is from the greek galar being milk Antha being the flower, therefore Galanthus. Simple as that. They were discovered and named about 1735. Um, but they seem to get sort of their common name as early as 1633. So they are. They're European and thought to be brought to Britain by the Romans, but no one really definitely knows about that. As I said, they're in flower now, in your garden. And they flower all the way through sometimes, and some of the varieties, until April. The bulb produces a single flower with six sepals. Um, they're spread mainly by seed and usually by insects that move them around. Um, snowdrops, carpets of them can be seen in many gardens that you can visit across the county and beyond. They're very impressive indeed. And one of my favourites to go to, because I like going there anyway, is Mark's Hall on the A130. So go and have a look at Mark's Hall's um, display. How do we get them going in our garden if we haven't got them? Well, don't buy dry bulbs. Well, you can try dry bulbs, but I've never been very successful with them and it's not the best method. You're best to buy them at this time of the year in a garden centre or retail nursery, actually growing. Plant them in the ground, and if you plant enough of them, they will spread fairly rapidly. Other than that, they like dappled shade. They don't like drying out. A lot were lost in that summer of last year. But generally, snowdrops or galanthus are well worth growing in your garden in that shady little piece that you've got tucked away Somewhere near, not too far from the house, so you can see that glimpse of white as you look out in that wintry weather.
Let's talk to Chris, because Chris has been waiting a little while. Hello, Chris in Braintree. What do you got today, then, are we talking? Hello there. Hello there. Yeah. It's probably way too early in the year to think about this, but um, I have an ambition to grow some capsicums. Right. And um, I've never done it before, but a friend of mine told me um, that they do well in a cold frame. I don't know if that's true or not, but... Um, if that being the case, um, how would I go about setting one up? <laughs> the only thing, Tom, I would say, a cold frame would be better than outdoors in the veg plot. That's about yes. all I'd say about a cold frame, wouldn't you? <laughs> right, right. Caps, capsicums. He, loved, he yeah. loves peppers. We're, we're talking about peppers. Peppers, mm -hmm. are, yep. And we're talking about sweet peppers, chilli peppers. All those? All of those? Yeah. Yeah, he's an addict, I tell you. This man's an addict. He'll tell you what to do. They're, they're, they're actually tender perennials. So the ideal for them is to propagate them undercover. Uh, and your windowsill will be perfect from that. And I would start sowing them. Now? And you, can you can do it now. You can wait till February. Um, these are plants that aren't really going to generate um, fruit, really, until midsummer onwards. In fact, most will do it towards the end of summer going into, into the autumn. But you can actually start them off now. Um, you could actually uh, sew them into individual uh, cells in a modular tray or get, get yourself a small sort of pot uh, with drainage holes in and sprinkle the seed liberally. You don't get huge, you get loads and loads of seed in a packet. You might be lucky and sometimes get 10. Uh, but you can sow all those in one pot, grow them on. And uh, once they get to a manageable size for you to move them, you can prick them out and put them into individual pots, the same size of pot that you germinated them in and grow them on. Uh, and they are perfect plants, actually. Once they get to about sort of uh, five, 10 centimetres tall, take out the tops down to a junction. That causes them to branch out. And hopefully then, from the branching out, you get even more flowers and more fruit. I tend to treat them as if I'm treating, I'm growing a tomato. It's similar, isn't it? It's exactly the same. It's the same, the same, same growing every... condition, same feed, and potentially same pest and disease as well. But it's going to give you a plant that you could put outside on your patio from about mid-May onwards. That's the earliest you can put them out. Right. But I can sow them more or less now then, yeah? Yeah, I would do some now yeah, and, and some then do February. some in February. And just get yourself a general purpose. Uh, if you can get a hold of a seed and cutting compost that's fairly lightweight, there's lots out there in your garden centres, go for that. There's some multi-purpose type compost as well. Uh, any of those will be absolutely perfect for those uh, plants. But they're a great plant to grow. And also, try and keep some over from the end of this year to the following year. But you do need to have somewhere frost-free. Right. Um, and just one other little point um, is... Uh, Obviously, you can buy the seeds, but um, people often like to try and grow plants from seeds from their own tomatoes and, and, and even fruit yep. that they've bought. Um, just supposing as an experiment, I took some seeds from a pepper that I bought from a shop. Um, would there be any success possible with those? Or? Ab absolutely, yes. yes. Now, what you might not get is exactly thing. the same because um, those fruits have been bred to all be produced at the same time, to be a particular colour, a shape, and there'll be a particular cultivar. So if you take the seed from those, what is exciting is you'll get a whole range of different potential uh, peppers, all edible. 
Right. So it could be quite right. exciting there. The pepper, the seed in the pepper is often dry, so it can actually be sown direct. If you're sowing seed from your tomato, you need to let your seed You've dry got, out. And best way to do that is, is put it blotting on either paper. blotting paper or even a piece of glass or a yeah. plate and let them dry out. Okay. And um, Scotch bonnets, um, are they a viable option? Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. yep. Super. You can do those from the seed or the other method you were suggesting. <laughs> Right, okay. Well, that's going to get me started, isn't it? <laughs> you're going to be busy. Sounds like you're going to have a lot of fun. <laughs> we expect lots of peppers at the end of the year. Okay. <laughs> well, I'll do my best. <laughs> Thanks very much indeed. Thank you for your call. That's Chris uh, in Braintree talking about peppers. Are you started to get off growing stuff right now? The number to call is 0800 111 That's 0800 111 Give us a call. You can text me straight into the studio on 81333. Start your message with the word Essex. Someone who has emailed me at ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk is Angie. Um, Angie from Rayleigh. She says, just before Christmas, I took the top layer of turf off from around the bottom of her apple tree. The area already had a few groups of bulbs in place and I then planted a load more around those. After planting, I circled the area with a few bits as a temporary measure till I find something prettier. My question is, can I put cocoa shells on top of the bulbs or what would you suggest? Does she, if she's planted them, all she's doing is mulching them. Yeah, you can mulch it, but anything. 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 So, yeah, you can do cocoa, cocoa, cocoa shells. shells. I mean, cocoa shell is slightly acidic, isn't it? Yeah, but, but it's, it's, it's not, it's it's not, not going to affect anything at all, Not at it? all, no. Um, I, haven't, I haven't heard people use those for a while, actually. But they no, are, I haven't seen them around, <clears> actually. You do get a slight scent from those. Uh, a chocolatey in, in, chocolate. Yeah, in the summer. But absolutely fine. be great to keep the weeds at bay and keep some of that moisture in. There you are. That's answered uh, Angie from Rayleigh. And if you've got a question, give us a call now. 0800 4041. That's 0800 4041. And give us a call right now and we will come back to you as soon. I've had a, 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 a text. Uh, it says, can I still plant anything in the veg garden or is it too late? And that's uh, Christine from Harlow. There's not a. If you, well, I know what you can do. Over, no, not overwinter. Shallots, shallots. You can plant around Christmas, mm. can't you? Well, shallots and still doing garlic and still doing onions. Are sets. you still doing garlic? All my well? garlic and onion sets are in. Yeah, and so am I. But I mean, but can if, you still it, put them? Absolutely, in? yes. And the ground's perfect for them. And great if you've got a clay-based soil because it's not as wet as usual. Uh, so you can put them directly in the ground. If it's too wet. I would put those into a modular type tray with yeah. compost and just push the bulbs in, but not the bulbs, the the clothes uh, in. Uh, other things you can do, uh, you can start sowing things like uh, rocket. Uh, there are some winter lettuce, spring lettuce that you can actually sow. You can get plants of those now already. You can plant those out directly. Which is difficult <clears throat> for people to latch onto because it's a lettuce and they think, oh, well, no. <clears throat> Too cold. Yeah, no. If you if you pop into your garden centres, uh, there's always a section in there where they've got um, basically multi-celled containers with young seedlings, young plants in. And if you're into your brassicas, so your things like your cabbages, uh, cabbage in particular actually, uh, and greens, uh, then those will be great to actually put out. But just a word of warning with those: they suffer 
from the good old pigeon, yes, the cabbage white, you, the small and large, they need the cabbage moth, and Net- the flea beetle. Just about everything, really. <laughs> so they need netting right from the moment you put them in the ground to before you harvest. And you go <laughs> go for a net that's got about a millimeter aperture in it. Very fine, Very fine. indeed. Yeah. So there are a few things you can go. And also you could, if you were starting off things like uh, asparagus beds from new. Oh, yeah. It's a great time to plant those. You plant those on a slight ridge. If you're going to the fruit side, you've got lots of trees and bushes you can plant at this time of the year as well. It's a perfect time for planting. Well, perfect time for planting. Thank you. That's Christine from Harlow who sent us a text. And don't forget, that's 81333. Start your message with the word Essex. And give us a call just as Roxy from Clacton has. Uh, that's on 0800 4041. It's the gardening phone in. And don't forget, there's also a podcast of this programme with extra tips and information that you can get on BBC Sounds as well. Let's go now to Roxy from Clayton. Hello, Roxy. Hello, and a happy new year to you. Thank you very much. What are we right. talking today? What do you, what you got for us? Right. I have an orchid, or three orchids actually, mm-hmm. and just before Christmas they were absolutely wonderful. They've got loads of flowers on and everybody was commenting. Now they've all gone, which yep. is fine, and they've got this white, horrible, sticky stuff. Um, it looks like foam. I've, I've got a wet tissue and damp leaves. I've sprayed it. Right, and okay. Let's go back to the orchids first. Let's just discover what the orchid is. Is it a round pansy-like flower, the orchid, was it? Um, what did it look like? What did it look like? The orchid, uh, flower. I'm hanging about, I'm walking about. What did my orchids look like, Bob? And Pansies. Yeah, uh, that's it. Phalaenops- Phalaenopsis. Yeah. That's a lovely, lovely orchid. And it's got a broadish leaf. <clears throat> and this, this, um, this sticky stuff, is it on the stem or is it on the leaf? Where is it? It's on both. Right. And it's just stickiness, you can see. But you, you see, you're seeing some white bits as well. Yes. Uh, the, now, it's going to be... Oh, it sounds like mealybug uh, Mealy me. Or, 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 or it could scale. be scale. Now, mealybug is a bit more fluffy. It looks a little bit like uh, cotton, cotton wool. Is it like yes. that? Yes. Lovely. That's uh, mealybug. And then, of course, you've got the stickiness. Do you know where you get the stickiness on the leaves? Yes. They excrete all over them. Those pests are excreting all don't over be, the leaves. Don't be put off. So you then get sooty mold. Have you got any blackness on your leaves? Um, yes. Right, so that's just invading the stickiness. So <laughs> you can with... Just wiping them yes, off, though. So wiping with lukewarm water will remove the sooty mold. Um, it's a little bit more tricky, actually, to get rid of the uh, mealybug. Uh, you would need to go for some kind of proprietary systemic... Uh, insecticide that you can use on houseplants, in particular orchids. Orchids can be a bit sensitive uh, to sprays. And all your good garden centres will have a few of those products, would you think, Ken? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, the you can't. there's painlessly wiping, which is what you're sort of doing. That will get rid of some of it, but it doesn't get rid of all the sort of egg stages, which are right in the nooks and crannies of the plant. And that's yes, the problem. Is. You can spray down into that, yeah. into those, yeah. so can't I've you? Even got, I've even got a wet Q-tip to try and... Well, that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, now you can, but you can get things like fatty acid soaps. They come in uh, sort of safest, friendly sprays. They're really made up for you. You can spray it over the plant. If the plant was in flower, though, you must avoid the flowers because you get spotting on the le- on the flowers. That's just for anyone else yeah. that's got one in flower. So yeah. spray it on the leaves. Try and spray it. Don't 
absolutely immerse it in the chemical. We don't want it dripping off. Just a nice film over it. And then just follow the instructions. Usually it'll be something like spraying out again in about 7 or 14 days. Oh, right. There's no flowers on any of them at the moment, but... but whether it's the time of year that you don't get them or what, I don't well, know. Well, inside, unfortunately, they've got a perfect environment. So you've got to get them on and off throughout oh, right. uh, the year. Now, just going back to your flowers, the flowers are all finished. Yes. Have, now, if you look down that flower spike, is there a little nodule somewhere? Right. I'm going. <laughs> and what colour is the stem? Um, actually, the stem, the stem that it's on is is dead. Absolutely dead. Yes. Cut it off. Okay, so so cut that and off. And the ones that are growing, um, there's just green, green on the end. Okay, so you've got leaves, and then you've got these odd shoots which have died off. So I cut those off. If they're what, brown. What I was trying to get to is if you have a flower spike that's got a nodule on it. And it's green. Yeah, and it's green, you cut to the nodule because that's going to give you the next batch of flowers. Oh, right. Because phalaenopsis sort of flower on and off throughout the year. Yeah. All right. Okay, then. Thanks but it, very but much. But it's all achievable. It can all be done. Okay. Okay, then. Thank look you. Up, look after your orchids rock. Roxy from Clacton and Michaela's from Colchester. Hello, Michaela. Hello. Hi. Good morning. Morning. What? 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 Are you in the garden or in indoors today? Uh, no, it's a plant that I've got indoors that um, I've inherited from my my grandma's conservatory, um, and it's a bougainvillea. All right. Um, and basically, um, it didn't really have any flowers, just an odd few leaves on the end when we first bought it home. And my uncle sort of trimmed it back, um, and it, it, it's given us leaves all over the farm, which, which is great. However, sometimes the leaves now are starting to get very flimsy and falling off. Um, so the first question was whether, how, how often do I water it um, as it's indoors um, and it's in like a big, large... Uh, sort of extension, but plenty of light, um, and it's, it's warm, obviously. Um, but just didn't know how often to water it, and is there anything that I can help to help bring the flowers out? Okay, what size pot is it in? Um, so it's quite an old, large one. So it's in about a 12-inch pot. And how tall is the plant? Um, about, well, around 12 to 15 inches. That's okay, right. so have you? What would be quite good in that pot is for you to try and put a frame in it, or put it somewhere where it can actually be trained up. Right. Okay. Because it is it is a climber, um, right, okay. and it and it flowers on new growth. Um, so, so it's been right. trimmed. So you've trimmed it. You said, haven't you? Yeah. So yeah, what yeah, I would do. Yeah. So what I would do now is leave it. And wait yep. for new growth. And actually, the key now is not to overwater it. So, the, for me, put your finger into the into the soil, and yep. if if the soil feels quite moist, leave it alone. Right. And then okay. do that on a weekly basis. I reckon you'd be watering. Ev you might be doing. Ev you might be doing the end of every week. I think. Um, right. okay. And as soon as it comes into leaf, I would then st I would then start to feed. The thing is, right. though, okay. Tom. Tom, yeah, she, it does have leaves on there at the moment. That's the thing. So it, it's really done quite well with the leaves. But what's happening is the leaves are just... Um, some of them get quite floppy and then they just fall off. And so that sounds like... It's over. Well, that it, sounds like overwater. How, how wet is that compost? Well, it, 
feels quite dry to me, but um, it doesn't feel wet underneath. Um, so I bought it a couple of days ago, and things don't seem to have been well, probably about five days ago. Things don't seem to have been too. Okay, with, with your pot, with, with your pot, can you put it onto a saucer at all? It is on a saucer. It is yeah. on a saucer. Okay, the key yeah. is not to let it dry out, but not let ha- okay. not to let it have too much water. That's one thing. And with low light yeah. levels at the moment, it will drop leaf. So don't worry yeah. about it dropping right. leaf. Oh, yeah. okay. We've, 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 got, we've actually got one of these in the conservatory at uh, Rittlet, and what happens is it, it always sheds its leaves and it always litters the whole of the floor, and there's a mass panic because it, it does that. But in fact, actually, yeah. it's doing that because light levels are poor and the temperature's dropped. Um, yeah, and if we yeah. also get if we get erratic temperature, that also causes the leaves to fall. So it's a natural thing, and it's it's you've got it where it is, and it's the best place it can be. Just nurture it and get it through to around about February, March. March yeah. time, I would then start to feed it. Okay, what would you recommend to? to I would use a tomato feed. Yeah, Uh, and then be prepared to be able to tie in because this is a very big plant actually you need to tie in those shoots but not be so keen to cut those shoots because if you suddenly start cutting them you you get less flowers yeah I think my uncle did it because um, in actual fact there was literally just probably two or three um, you know leaves on it and the rest of the the, the stalks were bare so he's chopped it back which has probably done it a bit Okay. Well, I, I would I would definitely leave it at the moment, but come in to do feeding in March. You could put three canes it. up, three or four canes yeah. up as a tripod and train it within those canes and I tie would. it in with string, and that would work really well. They never look it? brilliant at this time of the year. They don't say. at all. Back to your gardening questions in a moment, but right now on the BBCS it's Gardening Hour podcast. We've got some top tips on things you could be getting on with in the garden this week. Tom, what you got this week for us? Well, I know it's cold out there, but it's a perfect time to prune your fruit trees. That's your pit fruits, like apples and pears. I've been doing a bit of that. Have you really? Yep. Well, I would go out there at the moment, and the good guidance is that you just generally prune. You just shape. You're not going to go in there hard because that will give you lots of whippy, unwanted growth. But you want to go and lightly shape it. So that's just trimming off the tips from last year, uh, thinning out the plants so it's not overly congested. And that allow more airflow through, less disease. Uh, trying to take away all those suckers that might be coming from the base of the plant. Any unwanted growth from a lower trunk, you can take those off as well. Uh, and the aim really is to always, when you're cutting, always cut to an outward facing bud. And that would hopefully give you a sort of good shape that you can maintain. You might not get as many fruit as those fruit growers out there, but you've got enough for the year. It's funny, actually, because I've been pruning some fruit trees that were heavily pruned last year. And you can imagine they have got so many shoots over them. And it's, it's true what you say. If you hard prune, you just get loads and loads of what we call little water shoots, don't you? And if you get lots of those water shoots from, one, from the previous year, well, don't cut them right down because you get twice as many you you want to be pruning some of them harder some of them less hard yeah so it's a case of sort of gradual thinning what's what else you got for us well it's also a good time for propagation and uh you could have started this way back in november but you got until the end of march really but this is a good time to do any of those deciduous plants woody plants and in fact some of the evergreens that are put on pencil thickness growth last year so things like holly 
uh, is a good one. Photinia is another one. Garia is another one. They're good evergreens. Plus, you've got things like, well, you've got the odd shoot, like a Forsythia, yeah, or the odd shoot you can spare at the moment from your dogwoods and your willows. You could take at, at cuttings, really working from the tip of that young growth, and it's roughly about a secateur and a length. That's about 20, 30 centimetres of growth. Go down to a junction on that stem, cut a horizontal cut, and actually, you don't need any hormone powder or liquid at all. You literally push that into the ground where you've taken it from the plant and have just about two or three buds exposed from the top and just look after them throughout the year. There's no feeding, there's no watering, but you do need to keep the weeds at bay. And hopefully by the autumn, you've got some rooted shoots which you can pot up or plant out somewhere. Thanks, Tom. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Tom and myself. I've got a note from Hillary in Whitham, and she says, Firstly, a happy new year to Tom and oh, myself. Thank you. Uh, last year, the bloom on my, and we think it's Circus, was quite spectacular. But the downside is, I now have loads of seed pods. Now, Circus does have lots of seed pods. All does. It? Now, you should say what Circus is. There's different types of Circus. That's right. This, the, most, the one that we tend to see is the Judas tree. Now, she says they're hanging all off the branches. They look unsightly. I think they look actually they're quite... lovely, actually. I like the look of them. It's a bit like the wisterias this year. If you've got a stand of wisteria, we, could, we do a garden with the stand of wisteria. Oh, with the fruit pods. With yeah. the fruit pods. And it's the same principle, isn't it? Yeah. They look great. And if you get a bit of frost on them, yeah. ah, gorgeous. So, so, anyway. I mean, surface produce, they produce these bright... Um, purple to magenta flowers on the stem that's right usually before it comes into leaf and then you get these clusters of flattened crinkly pods uh so it's related to wisteria wisteria isn't it? um and they can be quite decorative actually yeah um, um there will be nothing wrong in though you cutting them off says, if you didn't like yeah, them. Yeah, that's what she says. Yeah. She says, I, she says, I know they'll drop naturally, but can I remove them without doing damage to the potential blo blossom yeah. of this year? The key is to twist them off, not pull them off. Twist them off, Hillary. Hillary from Whitham. There must be a lot on there. Yeah, because they flower all the way up the stems, don't they? Yeah. I mean, you get a lot of bloom on a surface. Spectacular plants. Lovely plant to have. Very under... It's not grown much, is it? Well, I don't know I, why not. Well, I think people are because they're getting, to, they're getting to hear more about it. So you've got Circus Siliquestrum, which That's is the Judas tree. Silly question, which is and then you've got That's the commonish one, isn't it? And then you've got one that lots more people go for is Forest Pansy, and that's Circus canadensis. And that's got the large leaf. It also has similar flowers. It doesn't have the pod issue. No. But it, it, you grow it for the leaf and the autumn colour. It's a spectacular plant. See? So there are, there's plenty of Circus around and... Uh, that's what you should be thinking about. And thank you for your greetings for the new year. Give us a call now, 0800 111 And don't forget, you can email me at ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk as well. Here in the studio, it's uh, 81333. Start your message with the word Essex. Um, a note here from Jeff in Southend. And Jeff is saying, um, what do I prune... On a patio fruit tree. Now, I, I see his point because there's a lot of patio fruit trees. And in fact, they had their heyday. I'm talking to Dave Gillam from 
from Abercorn Gardens and he was saying the actual true patio plants are not quite as popular now as they were but they had a big thing big push didn't they all sorts of fruits grown in little pots <clears throat> everything from quince apples oh, pears, the whole range yes. the lot um, but they're not an easy subject because they grow quite slowly but they also how the dickens do you prune them? They're not easy to judge how to prune, are they? No, and actually, the, one of the one of the other reasons for having it as a patio plant was to, and a particular forms that were created were that you had little pruning to do. It's a bit like ballerina trees, bred to produce plants with very short side shoots. Mm. Well, that didn't quite happen in the end, but it's it was to minimise your work. Um, the the key is not to over prune, but the key also is to note when it flowers. And on what wood does it flower on? That will dictate your pruning. Because also you've got a, a range of stone fruits, which you wouldn't do at this time of year anyway. No, would you, you wouldn't do any stone fruits really until they're in active uh, growth. So that's not going to be until way into when they're in leaf. And in fact, some people actually do this more July, August mm. when they're harvesting. Um, and that's to avoid things like uh, spread of ca bacterial canker and silver leaf. But on pip fruits like your apples and pears, um, you and need your quince. To, and your quince as well. Because there's a quince on a dwarf. And like your that, meddlers. Yep. Um, I don't know if there's a meddler on it. Uh, yeah, but there's those as well. Um, <laughs> you, you, you could lightly, sh if, if, if all else fails, you lightly sh you shape. So that's just tipping. That's taking a fraction of the growth away. You don't want to be overly, overly pruning. And I suppose a lot depends on the shape that you've mm. created. So it could be more pyramidal. So it has a series of tiers of branches. And you're just containing and really concentrating that shape or it's open centered and that means you need to do a little maybe a little bit more pruning would you plant would you repot as well or just take some surface compost off which is what we normally suggest <clears throat> for container plants well we think about the last few summers it's pretty difficult i think to uh, absolutely maintain them effectively in pots that are quite small i mean so you ideally would pot them on. Ideally, these trees need to be at least 60 to 90 centimetre pot sizes across. And they weren't, they weren't sold in that, were they, no. at all? They so they need, to, they need to be moved onto that larger pot. You need the depth, minimum 60 centimetres, good drainage, and a good loam-based compost. John in is number three. Number three, definitely, yes. So they are. That's hopefully helped you. Uh, that was uh, Jeff in Southend. And we go back to the phones. That number to call is 0800 111 And we talk to Alan from Hatfield. Hello, Alan. Hello, Ken. What is, I've got some hardy fuchsias yeah. growing against the front wall of my house in the front garden. And normally I come back every spring low down. But they've now formed quite a nice hedge. Now, would it worth me just trim them up to keep a hedge shape there or not? Now, it's quite interesting, isn't it? Because when you, if in, in the West parts of the country, it's often used as a hedging it, plant. Yeah. Less so in this part of yeah. the world, isn't it? Yeah. But Medjolanica with... is used a lot as a hedge. Has it got the smaller flower? Oh, yes, yes. It has the, yeah. the, small, the small flowers on. They're quite a versatile plant, really. I mean, knowing that they flower always on new growth, um, then you could be as hard or as not as hard as you want. Uh, it's and it's doing it the pruning at the same time you've been always doing it in spring so you could cut them hard or if you want to develop that hedge-like feel then just Get shape it. it shape it into the hedge so light trimming maybe a slightly broader base slightly narrower top um flower sorry that would still flower would they absolutely oh, yes. all the new growth that comes from those cut points will be terminating in uh fuchsias how high oh. is it at the moment 
I would think about three foot. Yeah, you've <clears> got a smashing hedge then, you know. I mean, and you can you can literally cover them with the shears, can't you? Absolutely, Wouldn't hurt them at all. absolutely. Yeah, I you definitely would do it though. Sort of spring, definitely in yeah. spring. Not now. Not now. No. They normally I'll come right down low, and, and you know every year they get a nice little growth. And I thought, well, they're looking at a nice edge at the moment. They will, they will do actually. They, I mean, it's a great way of regenerating the plant, keeping it quite young, which sort of lengthens its life if you cut mm. them hard. But to maintain a hair, so if you want one about three foot, and it's three foot already, take about a foot or so off. Yeah. Uh, and trim the sides, and it'll probably go a little bit more than three foot. It actually. would, yeah. Um, but so you're gonna be, you might need to be a bit harder so you get to where you want it to be. Yeah. Um, but certainly that'd be fine. And she- shears, absolutely fine. Which I'm actually have happy with hedge trimmers, even especially yeah. especially his electric hedge trimmers. His bat, sorry, your battery, my hedge. battery ones. Yeah. Yes, yeah, no, battery can't go out without those. Yeah. <laughs> All okay, right then. Okay, Alan. Thank you very much for your call. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye there. Alan has given us a call on 0800 4041. We have a line free at the moment, so it's 0800 4041. You can message us just as Anne has us again on 8133. Start your message with the word Essex. And it says, come on, give us a call. It's lovely gardening weather. And it, it, it'll stop it'll stop Tom talking about his battery Hedge trimmers, on the way. There's nothing uh, wrong with those. <laughs> Carol Hello. from Colchester. Hello, Carol. Hello. Um, I've got a lot of polystyrene over from Christmas, and I know you can put it in pots as drainage. I wonder, can you crumble it and put it in soil? Is there anything harmful in it? You know, now, hang on, hang on. Where are you trying to put it in soil? Do you mean in the garden? Well, no, anywhere. I just wondered if no, there's anything... No, but no, hang on. Anywhere would include the garden. I'm, I'm not being pedantic. I'm just I'm trying to stop you putting it where I wouldn't put it. That's all. Right. You know you can... It, like, vermiculite, it acts like vermiculite, doesn't it? It's... It acts like perlite. Yeah. So yeah. It, it creates um, drainage spaces. So you've got a lightish compost, for example, but it allows water to escape. But you wouldn't put it in a vegetable plot or a garden. No. Because we... it doesn't... It's, break down. No, it doesn't break down. Right, okay. No, keep and it. That's why is there a, anything wrong in putting it in a trough where I'm no. growing vegetables? No. No, nothing at all. Right. But it, it, it is it is one of the things that's a pain in the neck for the uh, recyclers because it doesn't recycle very well. Well, it does recycle, but it, it, it's difficult, it, I think. it gets tri- mixed in with plastics. And, of course, yeah. in theory, it doesn't work the same as a plastic. And that's yeah, why we... And that's why we don't want you putting it in the ground because it won't disappear. It'll be there forever. And in fact, sometimes when you're digging a garden, you often find lumps of polystyrene. I didn't mean lumps. I meant to break it up. Like oh, I know. Yeah, like I, would, I would definitely or break for, it up. Break it up. Or for pots and things. Yeah. Crumble it down. Safe. Yes. Yeah, no, it's a great drainage material in the bottom of pots. Yeah. Right, love. Okay. Right. That's Thank a good you. question, Carol. Thank you very much for that. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye there. That's Carol from Culture. However, there's a great move to get away from polystyrene and more people are are growing in plastics today, aren't they? There's Mm -hmm. much more in plastics. We're going to be talking to Tony from Culture and Mary from Gidea Park in just a moment. But um, uh, Anne would like to know, do Noreen seeds self-set? In other words, do they self-set? Noreens. If you leave them, will the seed drop and self? It should do. Yeah, it should do. Depends. However, there's a long wait for a flower, yeah, isn't there? There is a long, long wait. I mean, what are you going to be talking about? Do you think? 
five to seven years? It is, five to seven years. But what what would you do, actually? I'd take the noreen seeds and grow them on in pots, I would you? grow them on in a clay-based pot with a loam-based, seed-based compost. Um, sprinkle them over the surface, uh, fill up with grit, put them outside in a cold frame you have it or an unheated greenhouse uh, or the back of the house where it's got a bit of protection. Uh, just water them gently and then allow them to just germinate and then leave them for a year and actually go the following spring when they're a little bit more manageable, then I'd break them up, split and divide them, and then start to pot them up. It's a long, it's a long process, but boy, do you get some great flowers from them. They are. Noreen's very underestimated and don't see enough in the gardens, do we? No. No. We'll be back to your calls, texts and emails shortly, but let's take a final look at the top tips Tom has for us this week. Well, there's a couple of other things to look at, and one of them is, look after those houseplants. Yes. It's cold out there, so don't go out there. Come inside and uh, look after the likes of your orchids, particularly Phalaenopsis orchids. Don't let them overly dry out. They'll tell you they're drying because you get crinkly leaves. The flowers drop early. So pop them into your sink with some lukewarm water. I was going to say, that's really important, no cold water. Because that's a real shock to them. Uh, so lukewarm water, let them sort of soak up that moisture into the bark uh, for about 20 minutes, half an hour. Take the pot out, put it on the draining board, let it drain, and then put it into the decorative pot that you've taken it out of or the saucer. And just make sure with Phalaenopsis types that you don't overly cover the tops. They do need light uh, to get in. And the other thing is all your sort of foliage-based plants, things like uh, cheese plants, the weeping fig, uh, things like uh, the devil's ivy. Again, make sure that they're misted on a, on a regular basis. Or if you can't do that, group them all together, and that creates humidity. And it means you don't get those very characteristic sort of brown tips. That means you've got a lack of humidity. And we all get it because we've got a very dry central heating. So mist them if you can, but if you can't, group them together. Or get a humidifier that bubbles water up. Lots of things you can do to actually help your plants get through the next few months. What else you got for us, Doc? Well, now, if it is a warm day, I'm going to go outside and check out those containers. Uh, so any pots and containers I hadn't quite, dis I hadn't sort of raised off the ground when we get water so water can actually yep. drop out. Uh, clearing away any debris from the surface. Being a bit vigilant for vine weevil larvae. Uh, so check under the likes of things like hookera, sedum, all those perennials. They're the ones that are going to get infected. If you've got that, I'm afraid the best course at this time of the year is to take all of that planting material out. Now, if they're really bad, discard the material, start again, redesign that pot. But take all debris away. That means you've got things like slugs, for example, which are still active. Uh, you need to be able to sort of take that debris away so they are less of an impact on the plant. Thanks, Tom. And there are some great tips there for you. Hello, Tony. Uh, good morning and a happy new year to everybody. Thank you very much. Um, I've got a little bit of a problem with my hyacinths. I've got four or five bulbs in a 10-inch pot, mm -hmm. fairly well spaced around. I, I put them in beginning of October and um, kept them in the dark, as it said, in the cool. And eventually the little heads popped through. But I've it says not to bring them indoors in the book until the buds start to show. But it doesn't seem to be showing any buds. There's still only about an inch out of the bulb centre. Um, should I bring them in because it's getting cold now? I, as soon as the green starts as soon, to show... As soon as you see green, a couple of inches of growth, br bring, them in. bring them in and put them on a windowsill. Ah, right, OK. It's <clears> too cold for them outside. Because what you've done is you've held them back... 
They've uh, concentrated, produced their roots. They've got a little shoot. The bulb has already produced its flower. It's, it's ready it's to go. It's actually in the bulb already. Uh, and then the heat will generate that growth and it will extend the flower up. So you should okay, get lovely, right. fragrant flowers. See, these, these, these messages on, on labels aren't always the greatest, are they, Tony? Yeah. No, it, that doesn't sort of tell you when to bring them in. I, I, <laughs> I didn't want to bring them in too early, uh, but uh, they're not coming into flower. OK, now I know what to do. Thank okay, you so much. Enjoy those hyacinths. The perfume is fantastic, isn't it? Absolutely fantastic. And we go to John from Brentwood. Hello, John. Good morning, Ken. Top of the morning to you. I thought you was uh, going to talk the bloke had trouble with his wife then, Mrs. Bouquet. <laughs> No. So what have you, you got for us then, John? Um, an update for you. You used to talk about getting out there digging the garden. Yep. I tried it a couple of days ago, mm -hmm. and I came back six inches taller than I am now. But you find it hard, soft? No. I, as you dig, so the mud sticks to your shoes. Oh, I see, yes. I see, yeah, it is. But it's only sticky on the surface because if you dig down, it's not that wet inside. Yeah, but you get further away from where you're digging. What, because of the soil on your boots, you mean? Yes. Ah, oh, well, you have to keep scraping it off on the blade of the, fa uh, blade of the spade. I would have thought it was, you know, with a clay-based soil, I would have thought it was miles too sticky because the water's not running away. Well, it's touch and go at this time of year, really, because at the moment it's a little bit dry in some areas, but if it's wet, I still wouldn't dig. If it's wet, it would. I wouldn't dig. No, I wouldn't. don't think it's very wet, though. In some areas, I mean, yeah. some of the campus is sodden it? with water. We can't, oh, go right. we can't go in it. But other parts, absolutely perfect. They are, John? Yeah, yeah. yeah go down there, right. put your finger in the soil, and if it's right, you can <laughs> dig it, and if it's no good, don't. Okay, John? Yeah, Thank you. That's John from Brentwood. And we go to Mary from Gideon Park. Hello, Mary. Hi, Ken and John. Um, I've got a lovely roost in my garden. You know, the tree that gets the velvet antlers. Oh, yes. Yep. Um, I don't, it's, it's grown mad in the last couple of years, but I really don't want it to get any bigger. Will it they, be all right to trim it back now? They, they do go mad, don't they? They, they go do, mad they upwards. <laughs> And they sucker as well. Have you got suckers coming out no, the ground? I've had as well? loads. So I've yeah. got more than one roost because I've put a few down the end of the garden as well. <laughs> but I just don't want it to get too big. And right. When, you've got when the we... hardwood and then the, what I call the velvet antler. Um, can I chop it back a little when bit? When would you prune it, Tom? Well, I would do some now, actually. Um, okay. I would actually prune it so you, you bring it down to roughly the height you want it to be. How high is it at the moment? Um, I'd say five foot, five and a half foot without oh. the leaves at the moment, because when you get the leaves, it gets a lot bigger, it looks a lot bigger, doesn't it? It does, actually. It looks much broader, doesn't it, as well? Yeah, and it's beautiful. Um, I do well, love it. If you took off about a quarter to a third of the growth... OK. And do and it... go back to the hardwood, <clears throat> because you've sort of got hardwood, then it, you've got the new shoots, which are velvet. Well, it's like all fairly soft, but uh, you know what she's talking yeah. about, don't you, now? Yeah, the wood that is not velvety, because the velvety is the new growth, isn't yeah. it? You, I would probably cut far down onto the hardwood where there's a new growth coming off it. I see, where the uh, little so bud is. That, yeah, yes, you got it. Always go to a bud and always cut to a bud which is facing out and away from the plant. Okay. Which, which means you create a bit more of an open plant. It's more free and there's air flows through it. There's less disease. Yeah. Um, so you could do that onto the hardwood. You can actually do it onto the young growth as well. You could actually just cut the young growth back about a half 
okay. uh, to an outward facing bud and that would actually that would actually just cause it to branch out not necessarily grow too much higher yeah, yeah. but they are plants that will sucker well they'll take <clears throat> over your garden if you let yeah. them keep suckering yeah. and keep yeah. growing they, they'll grow to about 10 foot high wouldn't 10, they? 10 12 15 foot high oh yeah i don't want it that high and the same so width about, about the same width yes yeah, yeah, but I yeah. do uh, pull the suckers up, and um, all my neighbours are getting them now. Uh, I keep Aren't giving they them little. I mean, you're so generous. You're giving them <laughs> oh, a yeah. lovely plant. It's a plant that keeps on giving. That yeah. one. Yep. Yeah. It is a beautiful tree. It is called. Well, it's lovely I've autumn colour, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Okay, Mary. Thank, thank you very much. Thank you for your call. That's Mary from Gidea Park, and we now go to Jen Jenny from Colchester. Hello, Jenny. Hello. Um, I'm, I'm not actually interested in gardening, but I came in and I heard you talking about cocoa shells, putting them on the garden. We did? Yeah, well, I just want to add a warning to that. I had a friend who had an Irish wolfhound, and he thought they smelt lovely. Oh, so yes, lovely. They did he them. ate them, and they yep. killed him. Right. Yeah, Jenny, I think you've got a, a good point. They are attractive to some animals, aren't they? Yeah, and I think yeah, that is one know, of the problems. No, Jenny, I mean, I'm glad you're listening to gardening. It's not that bad gardening, really, you know. Haven't you got a garden, Jenny? Yeah, it's a too big a garden. It drives me up the wall. Well, there you are, you see. You can ring us up here on the gardening phone in and ask all sorts of advice at, on, at yeah, 11 o'clock. Right, right. You listen in future, but no, Jenny. Seriously, it's a good point. Seriously, very good point, and thank you very much for your phone call, Jenny. It's all right. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. There, that's Jenny saying that uh, her friend had a wolfhound. Just remind you of what we were talking about there—that it has got a scent. Well, it's got a smell to it of chocolate, and there's a dog who ate a lot of it and it killed it. So be careful when using it. Uh, funny enough, we were saying you don't see it as much. We can squeeze another call in as well, can't we? On 0800 111 We can squeeze you in before 12 o'clock. We're going to talk to Dorothy from Thought Bay. How's Dorothy this oh, new hello, year? Oh, Ken. I'm fine, thank you. Happy New Year to thank you. Thank you very much indeed. What do you got for us today, Ken, Dorothy? Ken, you've seen my garden. I've got just about everything in it, haven't I? But you will be surprised to learn I have no roses. Really? But, yeah. I've always disliked the rather bare, ugly-looking view I get from them in the winter. Right. But I've now been tempted by a gorgeous David Austin rose. And, and right. I, came, I came home with it. Now I'm dying to plant it. Would you do that whilst it's so cold, or yes. shall I wait? No, Abs no. absolutely. Tom, get it in the ground. Get it in the say. ground. Get it in the right. ground. I'll right. do that. Now, yeah. did, probably did, go and get some more. Which one is it? Did you buy it? Is it in a pot, or was it? Did you see all oh, the roots? Yes, it's in a pot. Oh, it's in a pot. So don't plant it any deeper than it is in the pot. No. Yeah. It's a very deep pot. Yeah, they are yeah, actually. They're, they're, they've, yes. they're designed that way to hold the hold the length of the root. Yes. But you, you ask the name of it, it's Emily Bronte. Uh, Emily Bronte, yeah, yeah. Do you know it? I've seen it. It looks a gorgeous colour mm. when I saw the picture. Yeah. Do you, do you know, you can also, with with a rose like that, uh, so that you don't see uh, sometimes the bare stems, Yeah, it's quite a nice plant to put through. It's clematis. 
Oh. It's actually to combine two plants plants together so that um, as that plant finishes, you might have a clematis that comes into flower. Would you use an evergreen or not? No, I wouldn't use... Be um, too vigorous, I wouldn't, wouldn't use... It? The only evergreen I might use is um, the uh, serosa, freckles. Freckles, that's or, what I meant. Yeah. I meant those ones. That's I don't like the, the other ones. Not no. the other ones. They're no. too much. Freckles but is This quite... will give you some nice coloured flowers at this time of the year. Is that one quite small then? Small flower. Small flower. It's a little bonnet-like flower. Small plant. It can be... You'd have to control it. You'd have to control it. Right. But it doesn't go too mad then. Well, how high do you want your rose to go? Uh, I think it's something like three and a bit feet. Right, well... I wouldn't put this clematis with no, it then. No, don't put it. Don't no, ignore that advice. Rose. Forget, forget <laughs> what Tom said. Just grow the rose. But I, I would put another clematis through, one called Viticella, and that's for summer flowering. That that's a great work. one because you can cut that one right down the ground. Ah. Yes, so are they not so big? No, no. they're great. That's as Viticella. Uh, yeah. As oh, vi- yes, I think I've already... I think I have grown that in the past. There's yeah. loads and loads and loads of different colours you can right, get. Right, Dorothy. Dorothy, get out there this afternoon and get planting them. Okay? okay, I will. Thank you very much for your call. That's Dorothy from Thought Bay. She opens her garden. We do mention it on air. She opens it for charity. And now we're going to Kerwin from Colchester. Hello, Kerwin. Good morning, right? I'm Ken. Yes, what we what you got for us today? Well, I used to garden in my communal garden. And um, it's been about eight years since I've used it. Yeah. And they were, because it's a communal garden, I just, two little plots of about four foot by ten foot, and they're all covered with clover and grass at the moment. Uh-huh. And I'm thinking of digging it up and um, putting it in as green manure. Is, would that be okay to do? Tom, would it? You've got to clear that weed very well, haven't you? Before and when would you plant green manure? Really, it's the wrong. No, end. no. There's different green manures you, oh, so you, you can, can put all through the air. Spring one. You yeah. can buy a spring one. So you? you 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 need to clear the ground first. Oh, okay. Uh, and then you want to introduce some like a green manure to really improve the soil. use. I mean, something like you have clover there, but something like a clover or uh, something like um, uh, one of the field beans, uh, anything like that field would be, bean would, would work would be well, okay because that's faster uh, growing, isn't it? It is. And then you, the thing with that is, you then just turn it in before it flowers. Well, it is covering uh, clover at the moment, so can I just dig that in? I, I wouldn't want to dig that one in because that's just been there for a long time. I'd actually want to get rid of all of that because you, you, you've probably got other perennial weeds in there. But uh, no, so dig that off, get rid of that and then put um, a, 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 a plant some new seed into it. Can you do that this time of the year? You can. Right. One last question as well. Uh, could I extract seeds from a dried Carol, Carolina Reaper chili? Uh, you should be able to, yes. And that's Chris in Braintree. I think that was the guy who yeah, spoke yeah, yeah, to yeah, us, yeah. That, And as long as they're dry, you can then sow them. Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. If you missed any of the answers to the questions we gave, you can download this programme and take it with you on the BBC Sounds app. Don't forget, if you have a gardening question for us, why not give us a call on 0800 111 and be part of the programme. Every Saturday morning on BBC Essex from 11. 